Hi, welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. Besides race medals and finisher shirts, the one experience item participants have come to expect from a race, particularly in this digital age, is a good set of professional race photos. And perhaps because of the cultural changes that have come with the digital age, the purpose of race photography within the endurance events business has been swinging back and forth between race photos as a secondary revenue stream versus race photos as a marketing tool. So, do you offer paid photos as a means of boosting your current bottom line? Or do you give photos away for free as a marketing investment aimed at higher participation growth in the future? Well, this and other questions is what we'll be discussing today with the help of my guests, race director, race consultant and general race jack of all trades, Josh Reed of On Path Events and professional race photographer John Kelly of John Kelly Photos. Among other things, we'll look at how modern race photography works from snap to download, how you can work with your race photographer to create some really memorable shots for your participants. And as mentioned earlier, we're going to be looking at the various business models around race photography, how they've been trending lately and which might be best suited for your event. Before we get into all that, though, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our amazing podcast sponsor, Run Sign Up, race director's favorite all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events. More than 26,000 in-person, virtual and hybrid events use Run Sign Up's free and integrated solution to save time, grow their events and raise more. And we'll be hearing a bit more from this great company a little later in the podcast. But now, let's dive into our discussion on race photos with Josh Reed and John Kelly. Josh, John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you very much both for coming on. How are you both doing today? Doing perfect, man. I'm excited to be here. It'll be fun to talk about it. Yeah, just doing great. Uh, it's the calm before the storm as we all get ready for the big season here in the U.S. Uh, March, things start kicking off, so just getting ready. Indeed. 2023, a new year, a new dawn, hopefully the year when we eclipse 2019. Let's see what happens. Fingers crossed. I think we're going to be um, needing some introductions for the audience. So why don't you guys take it in turn and maybe tell us a little bit about what each of you does in the industry? Yeah, sure. So my name's John Kelly. I've been involved in some component of event photography for endurance sporting events since 2014. I am a photographer and I also own a small uh, endurance uh, photo company. So we do marathons, triathlons, mud runs, 5Ks, all those things. And I've been integrated with other companies when I first started for a couple of years. And then back in uh, 2017, I went my own way and started my own company. And so I have a lot of uh, diversified experience with photographing the events, um, software that works around getting the photos out and just kind of coordinating with marketing in order to promote the events. You look quite young to be kind of like in this industry. How, how, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 28. 28, indeed. And how many how many years have you been at this? Uh, I started in 2014, so about nine. Wow. Started when I was 19. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. You must you must love what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great to have you on. Josh, I think a few people might know you from the group and other places. You're quite active on social media and the community. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh, I have to do the math to say how old I am. I'm 37 this year. I have to think about that. I've been in events since college. I've been in the race world for 10 years. I have this uh, background in community development, so I've always been super passionate about 
travel and exploring the community and racing, learning what people are doing. And I've kind of turned that into a passion for just trying to stay on top of the best, you know, what's new, what's exciting, kind of what different companies are doing, which is how I met John. Uh, I do businesses on path events. I, you know, I work on a lot of the big races. You'll see me at them, but I'm really passionate about helping establish race directors find the best tools out there, processes, kind of learn to speak to work better with their timers, photographers, registration companies. And I'm here for photos because from 2015 to 2017, I worked at a large marketing agency and, you know, kind of a little break from races. And I got to see a lot of what was being done with photos and videos on the big level. So when I got back into races where I want to be, I worked with Pick2Go USA. I worked with Enmotive, helping the what's now runner tag be developed. So I think one of the best photo platforms out there. And then about five years ago, kind of went, or maybe four years ago, I'm sorry, went on my own way and to do what we've talked about, which is really taking all that knowledge of photos, timing, production, and helping race directors see what's best. So I'm semi-retired, keep, keep in touch with people like my good friend, John Kelly here. And I'm still very interested in how photos can be used, especially pre and post COVID, what we're looking at to, you know, make your race more successful, make it exciting. Absolutely. And we're going to be going uh, through um, all of that. I know, Josh, you're based in Colorado. John, remind me, what, what part of the country are you in? I am in Missouri. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful places both. Okay. So as just sort of alluded to, we're going to be talking about uh, race photography today. And hopefully, you know, we're going to be taking a kind of like bird's eye view on the whole thing, particularly for maybe some people who are not all that familiar with race photography to begin with. And we're going to be looking at, firstly, what race photography brings to a race, the kinds of things that, that Josh touched on very briefly there. Also, what race photographers, what race photographers like, uh, like John do for a race and, and how race directors might work with a race photographer. And I also want to touch on a little bit on the different business models around photography. I know people when they think race photography, they think mostly of the technical side of things and operations, but there's a whole kind of, there's lots of movement in the industry and lots of new ideas and new products coming on and services around how race photography can work for an event. Even basic things as, you know, like, should it be a revenue stream? Should, you be, should it be a marketing instrument? Should, you be, should people be paying for photos? Should you be giving them away for free? That kind of thing. And I want to touch on that a little bit as well. I want to start us off with another thing that many people may not be totally familiar with, which is something that John mentioned to me on our last call, which is the fact that photographers do two things for an event. You know, they're there on race day to take the race photos and all of that. But a very important component, one we're not going to be spending a lot of time on today, that's why I want to sort of like get it out of the way, is the work photographers like you, like you John, do in producing promotional photos for event, you know, like the kinds of wow photos that someone would see on a website, that kind of thing. So do you want to like briefly walk us through the difference between the two services that a photographer might offer a race, you know, one which is the race photos, you know, like snapping pictures of, of racers and the other bit I just mentioned about more like promotional material? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, we kind of do two distinct services. Uh, one is the promotional photos and then one is the participant photos or the race photos. Um, so the race photos um, are really those photos that are meant for the runners themselves, whereas the promo photos are more meant for the actual event or the venue or the sponsor. So there's two different target audiences when we produce these photos. The participant photos 
we're trying to get as many participants as possible, you know, something that they can take home, download, share with their friends and be happy with. But there's, you know, thousands of participants at an event. So we try to find good spots to shoot for consistency and reproduce very similar images. We'll be taking tens of thousands of those at an event. Um, so you're, you're usually looking at, you know, one or two photographers, maybe producing only one or two different shots each. If it's a big event, you might have many more, but they're all more or less in the same spot on the course. They're going to be producing participant photos for the participants that are a little bit lower resolution just because we're taking so many. They're not getting the individual attention or promo um, photo would be doing, but they're, they're usually they're large enough resolution and they're of good enough quality that people are generally happy with them. And the big thing we want is consistency. We don't want some people to get like 10 wow photos and someone else just to get like two mediocre photos. So we really try to balance um, having the ability for the participant photos to be consistent and, you know, strong. They're not like those wow, you know, blow your mind photos, but they're pretty good. They're a solid photo where there's a particular subject isolated. They're sharp. They look cool. We try to get a good backdrop and we try to give them different options of it. So some of them are, you know, wider shots. Some of them are tighter shots, but they're consistent by the photographer. And you were telling me that in reaching out to you, particularly first time race directors engaged in, you know, speaking to a, to a race photographer, they tend to mix the two up a little bit, right? So that thing that it's, it's sort of like the same thing. Do many people in the end opt in for also having the, the promotional type photos taken when they hire a photographer? Yeah. Um, so I guess just to kind of give a little background on the promotional stuff for people that aren't familiar, those ones are going to be more individualized. You're getting basically a unique shot in your gallery. And unlike the participant photos where you're getting tens of thousands, you're only getting between one to 200 individually edited, individually shot up promotional shots. So um, we get a lot of first time events that are looking for marketing material for banners, websites, social media, advertisement campaigns, sometimes merchandise that really jump on the promotional stuff. And then we have our more interestingly themed events. So like um, you have your mud runs, your color runs that almost always do promotional photography just because, you know, something unique is about their event and they really want to showcase that. And then it's about 50-50 on um, whether our, you know, standard endurance races such as a triathlon, marathon, half marathon do um, promotional work. And that just kind of depends on the needs of the event. We have some clients that are looking to grow. And so those promotional photographers uh, at their events can help them get the marketing material to grow their event. And we have some clients that are content where they are and they're not really needing to grow and they have promotional material from previous events. So it might not be something that they need to pay for or work into their event. And can, for instance, a race, which is a, which is what I often see, particularly with smaller races, is it okay for a race to just take some of those participant photos and use that in marketing materials? I guess it won't have the same effect, same punch as you know, like a proper promo shot. Yeah. So we, there's no you know rule against that. People are welcome to use each photo how they want. But the big thing is, is the participant photos aren't going to be that super large format. They're not going to be that dense resolution that basically lets you print them as large as you want. For if you wanted to share like a participant photo on like social media, like Instagram, Facebook, or whatever email campaign you have, it's going to be plenty big enough. It's not going to have that crazy wow factor um, you might be looking for, but we do have people consistently find participant photos that they do enjoy um, for showcasing various parts of the course. 
So let's let's look at the case for race photography as a whole. I, I like to start out with these kinds of things because, and Josh would know that uh, pretty well, uh, as well as you, John, I'm sure, you know, having dealing with race directors all the time, is that race directors are a very kind of like cost-focused bunch. When they spend money, they want to be sure that that money is going to have a return or is going to add value to the event. Uh, more and more race directors, hopefully, are catching on with the whole idea of providing a great race experience under which maybe part of this falls. So from from the both of you, what is the case for someone spending a good deal of money on hiring a photographer and sort of investing in in participant photos as well as promo photos? Yeah, I'll start with that. And I know, John, you can have some things you can follow up with. Um, the point I want to make to any of the race directors that I work with and, and in any race director is the best free marketing you're going to get is a happy participant that's telling all their friends and going around town. And whether that's with a really cool shirt of high quality that they're going to wear or simply just posting it about on social media, one of the best tools you can have is some really cool photos that and not just one photo that's going to get posted, but an album that's going to go up there that's going to stay as their profile photos. It's going to get you views, engagement, comments, you know, things we can talk about a lot more later. Now, that said, we'll want to talk about a bit, you know, if you're going to hire a photographer, you want to maximize the product that you're getting by figuring out what that, those varieties of shots are, giving your photographer the right information so they can give you not just that one photo, but, you know, your marketing priorities, your sponsor priorities. And in a way, kind of thinking as a promo photographer when you're a race director so that you can maximize that product. Yeah, I, I'd say I really agree with everything there. The the big thing that most of our, my or at least most of my clients are looking to get for it is one, some sort of sign-up incentive for their participants. It's a great incentive if people think they're going to get professional photos because everyone's going to be taking photos anyway. If they can get, you know, really nice ones that really show those awesome action shots throughout the day, that's what people love. And then they love to have the material for um, promoting the event themselves. Um, and so usually it's just a standard marketing expense for them they're they're paying you know in our case a flat rate and then they get you know unlimited uses of the images they want and i'd say most of our clients um, are pretty vocal about the happiness they are or how much happiness they have with their return on the photos there are you know occasionally are people who just don't promote the photos the participants and they might not get something out of it but um, for the most part it's really just kind of a marketing incentive to uh, bring in new participants, retain the ones you have, and then give you material to promote the event. And let's get this out of the way as well, since you mentioned it. Uh, we'll, we'll return to this a little bit later in the discussion. The whole thing about nowadays, people, spectators, snapping photos of participants and stuff, right? It really is no replacement for a professional race photo, is it? Right, yeah. It's not just like the skill and the equipment, um, but we we do a lot of preparation work that's specific to the event. We have access to course maps ahead of time. We coordinate with the race director. We get access to areas other people can't, um, which really kind of give us a distinct um, advantage in producing those really great high quality shots. And I'm not going to say there's never a case where, you know, some bystander gets a cool photo, but in terms of, you know, consistent return on your investment, um, it's kind of like a safety net because you know every time we're going to put the effort in to do it right. Now, my impression as Eraser, you know, I used to when I started out going to races, maybe like you know, eleven, twelve years ago. 
I used to love buying photos, and they used to be even more expensive, I think, back then than than they are now. Since then, I've been getting less and less interested in, you know, like when I go to a race, you know, like going out and buying race photos. Am I correct in thinking that that maybe sort of the addressable market for race photos in, in an event is mostly sort of like first-time runners, the kinds of people who may not have tens of sets of race photos from other events? Or, or is it a thing that people do on a repeat basis? You get some folks who would just go out to any race and want to memorialize it and, and buy photos from any race they, they attend. For first-time runners, certainly I'm sure there's some more appeal, but uh, I think there's also just a lot more people going out with their friends, for example. You know, It's like any other event. I'm doing something with my friends or family. I want to commemorate this. And I think as an extension of that, um, it's, it's really, it's if your show, if the race is unique or if you're showcasing what's unique, you know, I'm sure that like the Ironman, for example, obviously just a huge thing that you've, you've spent a lot of time planning on or the Disney races, things where there's something exciting. And I would like to think that uh, if race directors do more to make their photos more exciting and showcase, you know, the participant journey. Uh, the start line, the finish line, the photos, cool things that were taking place on course and at the festival that anybody would be interested in it. So you're, I guess the answer is yes and no. It's, I think there is certainly more excitement earlier on, but I don't think that it naturally or needs to decrease over time. I mean, you mentioned Ironman and those kinds of events, which are really I- iconic, and, and anyone who participates in it has put, has put so much of themselves into it that they'd want to take away the photo. Does that apply equally to maybe like a local nice 5K or 10K? Or or do you see sort of like photo uptake in those less kind of like epic type events being less than a race like an Ironman? Yeah, I actually was looking last night at just some of our statistics from 2021 events. And I sampled um, a handful of events that I considered that the race did a good job of indicating to participants that they would be getting photos. They uh, did social media posts after, and then they sent links out timely to the participants. And what we were, what, what I was finding was, is usually the more difficult and the longer the race, the higher percent of people that would actually actively go search and download their photos. Um, and those easier five Ks that happen every year and are smaller. Um, tend to get less results. So for example, um, I sampled a few events that were half marathons, marathons, or ultra runs from 2021. Um, and of those events that did you know, what I would consider a good job of relaying the information to participants of when and to get their photos and where, um, we had almost 75, 80% of all participants that finished the race coming and looking for their photos. On the other extreme end of things, we had a few local 5Ks that while they promoted the photos to their participants, they just had like a short 5K, something that people don't really have to, I don't want to take away from people running a 5K, but there's a lot less investment into running a 5K than like a marathon. Um, we're looking at almost 33% of people um, actually going and getting their photos. So it, it really does, and I guess my events experience, depend on the effort people are putting into the event, determines how many people are actually following through to download those photos. So let's talk a little bit about, just to set the scene a little bit uh, on the operation side of things and the business side of things, about cost. Some people who may not have engaged with a race photographer in the past may be uh, completely unaware of what that service costs. They may be erring either too high or too low on what that might be. 
And I know it's a little bit of a, you know, how long is a piece of string kind of question, you know, without specifics about an event, but like just to set a range for people, right? And with a couple of examples, what kind of cost would a race director be looking at for hiring a photographer or a team of photographers as the event might require to come out and focus specifically on participant photos so that they'll be able to offer race photos to their participants? Yeah, um, I can kind of touch on that. Um, And as you mentioned, it's obviously going to be really dependent on the event, but there's different pricing models. My company, we do a cost per service and a cost per photographer and a cost per time. Other companies will just do a base rate per participant. Some will do a commissionable model. So you, you know, might just be getting, you know, sales revenue or something like that. So it's going to depend on the method the company is actually doing. In my case, there's not many scenarios where even for a very small event, you're going to come in at less than $1,000. Um, and uh, for larger events, it can go up to 10000 So it's really hard to kind of narrow down the range there. But I'd say most of those events tend to be on the you know smaller side, 1,000 to 1,500 participants. And those will be at the lower end of the scale, obviously. It's going to really depend on the services you're getting. Um, and the location of your event. We have a lot of events that are in big cities like Chicago and Kansas City, where there's an abundance of skill uh, that's available. And those are low cost. And then we we pick up a lot of um, ultras and marathons in like remote parts of the country, like Montana or like Southwest Colorado, where there's not really local photographers available. And then you incur you know larger travel costs, which is the majority of the expense. So for like like a 10k, just to sort of narrow it down a little bit, if I did like a 10k in a small town, how many photographers would you suggest that come out to the event? And what would be the cost to me, the race director, to be able to offer those those race photos? Yeah, so I, I couldn't give you an exact quote, but the way I would go about pricing that is I would say, you have a 10K, how many participants are you expecting? Do you have any other distances being run? And do those distances run on separate courses or the same course as the 10K? Because that's going to affect how we staff our photographers. Is your 10K an out and back? Is it a loop? Um, Because if it's an out and back, photographers can double up on photo spots so we can get by with less. If it's a loop, photographers generally can't, you know, move later on in the course uh, efficiently enough. So there's gonna be a lot of of factors there. And then we're gonna also look at what are your needs? Are you needing that promotional photography too? Are you just needing the participant photography? Um, And then we usually have options from there of, like here's the minimum we would recommend, and then here's the ideal amount we would recommend. Um, and one thing where my company is really big on is if we can't do it with like the minimum amount to be correct, we'll refer you elsewhere to maybe another company that's comfortable doing it with less. But we really want to make sure we do it right. So I, I couldn't give you an exact number because there's just too many variables, and I don't want to confuse people. But that's kind of our thought process in quoting out these events. If I can tag on something maybe a little more familiar to race directors, it, it's very similar to hiring a timer. Um, you know, pretty much all of you have hired a timer in the sense that there's a base expectation as a timer, and that's that they're at the start and the finish, right, with the timing mats. But as you get into other splits, other coverage points, you've got your same fixed costs and variable costs, right? That's their time or their timing chips, may, which may each have a cost. But as you get larger and larger, you hit maybe these intangible tiers where you need to bring on other f- photographers or timers or timing boxes, et cetera, to make sure. And it may not be clear cut at certain sizes or coverages. 
for example, a timer or a photographer may be able to run from point A to point B based on the logistics and the needs, or they may not. And, and that's a big part of why you really have to talk through your timeline and your needs and, uh, you know, which points you want to cover with either of those people. Yeah, that's a great example, actually. You mentioned, John, the course, which is so important in so many things, even Josh's race timer example, right? I mean, some courses simplify costs tremendously and others are just a total headache, uh, which is why I always tell people, you know, think hard about your, your course. Scenery, all of that stuff is great, but also practicality and, and how it's going to affect your cost on so many things. Is it part of your preparation for a race to go scout the course to find sort of like good places to shoot? Or is that something that you expect the race director to help you out with without you having to go out to the race? How does that work? Yeah. So in an ideal world, we'll put as much effort into planning out those course photos as the race is willing to work with us. So if we can have a photographer for a new course scouted out, um, that's spectacular. Um, we often don't need to put a person actually on the course for a lot of our events that are local just because we're familiar with the area. But if we go to a new city or um, if we have like a really large course with several thousand participants where positioning is going to be more critical, we'll absolutely at the minimum talk to people who have been on the course before. But we'd like to actually have someone check out spots, look at, you know, where's the sun going to be at this time of day? Uh, what's my background going to be? Am I anticipating bottlenecks? Those kind of things. Yeah, and as a race director, you can think like that. Um, I mean, obviously, sending the same things you want in operations, your course maps and timetables. When I started in photos, the big thing that just blew my mind but was so obvious was to ride your course backwards. Look at it like a photographer is going to do um, because that's really, you know, a photographer is looking at your runners either backwards or from a slight side angle. And think about it that way. I mean, it really, as you're going in your course drives, take the time to think of it as simply as driving in reverse. And that it goes a long way to uh, putting yourself in the mindset of a photographer. So speaking of that mindset, besides obviously the finish line, which is a great place to shoot, right? What other places would you look for? I guess you'd want to be taking a range of photos. Like I've seen my photos in marathons, you know, like starting pristine clean and ending up a total wreck. I want to, I guess you want to take the full spectrum of that journey, right? Yeah, yeah. In an ideal world, we would put some photographers early in the course, some in the middle, some at any important landmarks, and some at the finish. Um, but it's going to be dependent on you know the size of the event and the number of photographers we have. If we have a 5K race, there's obviously less distance and time to station photographers at. If we have a marathon, we can have you know several um, photo points, and we can actually shift photographers around in order to maximize uh, coverage and get not just spots that are easy to you know catch a bottleneck of people, but spots that highlight the course well, spots that the people will look cool and compared to the course, spots that just have a pretty sky and kind of get you that diversity in your course shots. Another big tip I've had for race directors who are trying to make more excitement on course is to create spectator areas. As simple as putting them on a map, people ask, where should I go? So I've been really trying to find these intuitive areas where there's a water stop or music, because, you know, races find people who just come out every year, right? It's, it's just they come out every year, they sit in a spot, they put some music on, they hand out shots of beer or whatever they do to people, um, wear costumes. And, and I want to know what those spots are. And, you know, obviously a photographer doesn't know these things. They're not going to know these things until race day. So I think that in your mind, I mean, as a race director, you know, you know, or maybe your course director knows a lot more than the race director. Oh, there's just there's just a guy in a costume that high fives everybody. You know, that that's that's a heck of a lot better than a neutral shot of any kind. 
Now, in terms of that very important relationship between the race director and the photographer, from your point of view, John, what can a race director do to make your life better as a photographer before showing up to the race? And then, Josh, what I what I want to have your thoughts on is the flip side of that, which is what can a race director, you know, go out of their way to do to make sure that the race photos they're going to be getting are going to be awesome? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the single-handed biggest component in us having the ability to do the maximum preparation and get the right people is just having your course uh, mapped out early on. We have so many clients that will contact us nine months out and say, hey, here's our event, here's our course maps. And that's awesome because I can look at the course map and I can go, oh, you know what? I got a photographer who's got the perfect experience and equipment for this kind of stuff. And I've got another guy who would go really well here. And we're not just picking assignments, we're picking the right people for particularly sometimes tough assignments. Um, And we do get some events that send us the course maps the day before and, you know, things happen, things change, but there's only so much planning we can do. So we kind of have to fall back to generic photo spots with those just because we don't have the ability to do specific preparation. Um, And just an example of specific preparation, if if I have course maps way ahead of time, um, I'll do like a Google Street View or a Google Maps walkthrough of the course. I'll look at the sun direction, how much shading we're going to get, if it's going to be even or hard lighting, um, you know, um, I'll look at, you know, my photographers in the area and I'll go, you know what, I got this guy, he's got this really long lens, I could put him on an elevated platform here and he's the best person for this spot. And I've got this guy, um, I think he'll go really well at the finish line because he's got really good wide angle glass and there's a really pretty background and we can try something different. So that that having those courses laid out and finalized early on is single-handedly the largest um, component of our pre-planning that makes a difference. Yeah, and just say thinking from the race director's side, uh, as you're making your course maps, and maybe this is you or your course director, if you're not out on course, don't just think about where the cool scenery is. Of course, think about landmarks, but also think about you know, where where your water stops. Where do people show up every year and play music and wear costumes and high five people? You know, at the same time, and this is unrelated to photos, where would you tell spectators to go to have a good time? And as you develop all of those things. Think about putting a photographer there. I mean, even if it's just a a guy in a costume that goes out every year and gives high fives to somebody, that's a heck of a lot better than a neutral shot. So definitely anybody who's on course, if not you, kind of keep a running list of that because it's useful for many reasons, but especially for pointing a photographer who would otherwise just say, this is a pretty stretch of road. Yep. To piggyback off of what Josh said, we have a couple events that do actually just that. They'll email us ahead of time and say, hey. Um, you know, last year we had a big group of people from this neighborhood come out with banners and signs and it would have been, you know, an uneventful last few miles of a half marathon, but we're able to find a spot where there's, you know, 10 spectators, um, that we can frame that looks like the whole streets just lined with spectators. And it really just spices up the shot and looks really cool. And it's something that's really simple and might not seem like a big deal, but we can oftentimes work with a lot of those things just to kind of give it more excitement. And will it work for every shot? No, but maybe half of the participants at least get a shot that there's, you know, completely filled the frame behind them with people cheering for them, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's actually really important. I I see lots of um, race photos, particularly from slightly smaller events. And you get this feeling of sparsity, right? You, You look like almost like... 
you know, a little bit of sadness almost in the race photo, right? There's like just one guy, maybe like one spectator in the distance or something, nothing to signify there's a race there kind of thing. So you definitely would want as much as possible to bring out the race atmosphere through the photos. So at least the, the spots that you shoot at and people take home, they have lots of spectators, lots of noise, a band maybe like Josh said, you know, like whatever whatever your race might be able to to throw at people. Okay, let's take a minute to discuss a little bit the technical side of photography, which I'm guessing has evolved quite a lot over the last couple of decades, uh, at least. Lots of very cool stuff happening with how photos are sorted and distributed and shared out to participants. But let's start off sort of like on the ground. Maybe, John, can you walk us through the process, what you guys have to do from taking the photo all the way to delivering it to the participant? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways this can be done. So I can talk kind of about ways we've done it and what we've done in the past, but it's not an inclusive list. Initially, you know, there's the whole pre-plan that goes into how are we going to get the photos from the photographer on the course to the participant. And we're, we have to decide, are we going for as quickly as possible here? Is there, you know, time constraints? Does the client just want some marketing material quickly? Um, and one thing we've been playing with recently is um, editing every single photo and touching up every single photo before we give them out to people. So we got to figure out what the end goal is. And then that kind of changes our plan. But generally speaking, uh, you'll have a lead photographer or a team lead at every event who will either um, distribute assignments and memory cards and then collect them and upload them. Or each photographer individually will um, just upload photos directly to our web server. Once we receive the photos, they pretty much immediately get sorted into, um, are these finish line photos that these three photographers contribute to the same area on the course? Or is this guy by himself? We're just kind of physical location. Sometimes one photographer moves around and will break up the photos. After that, uh, what we something we do that is not normally usual, but we actually do a quick touch up on every single photo. So it does add a little processing time to the event, but every single photo will get color corrected, white balance, um, sharpness, clarity, all those things will will work with dehazing. Uh, if there's like, you know, a overly bright sun background because of the sunrise for an early morning race. And is that not something that technology can take care of itself, sort of all of these balancing the touch-up that you that you do? Because it sounds fairly sort of like labor-intensive to be doing that for every photo. A lot of it is automated with software or um, assisted with software that the human human component is very minimum. There is a small human component because a person is going to make the decision better on, hey, does this picture need to be, you know, dehazed? Do I need to pull clarity? That kind of stuff. But there, there is a huge software component there and the human component of that's very small. And then from there, all the photos that we take will go and get tagged. And that is a, for us, that is a human process assisted by optical character recognition and some software that tries to match people and photos together. Other companies will do purely optical character recognition. Some places do purely data entry and some places do facial recognition. So there's different ways that can happen. Well, and some companies are doing a combination thereof, right? Uh, like runner tag is, I don't even know everything they do. It's a combination of facial bib recognition. There's all these algorithms that are going from like 95% to 99%. And I think in regards to what John's saying, that's the difference getting that last few percent of photos to your participant. Yep, exactly. 
And then from there, they pretty much just go to our uh, CDN or content delivery network and they sit on a web server waiting to be downloaded by participants. For what you described, what kind of time frame would that be from start to finish? So if we are going for an event that just wants things done quickly, um, we can get them online the same day as the event, um, which is something we were really pushing for a few years ago. More recently, we've been having events that have been wanting us to take a day to actually do the touch up on every photo. And we've been seeing a little bit higher download rates um, with that. So right now we're looking at um, Monday morning. If your event's on like Saturday or Sunday, your Monday morning before work or around you know time you go to work, your photos are ready. Since we're on the subject of race photos today, I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Run Signup's awesome race day photos platform. What does it do? Well, for starters, it does all the clever automatic sorting and tagging of your race photos you would find on high-end dedicated photo services. What that means is you upload a bunch of race photos to the platform and it uses all kinds of fancy machine learning stuff to figure out exactly which participants are in the photo and tag them on it. So that when a participant or a friend or family member comes looking for their photos, they just punch in their bib number and there they are, all their race photos. Then there's the sponsorship and branding opportunities you get by being able to add watermarks on your photos. That way, when a participant posts their photo online, your race logo or your sponsor's logo is there front and center, making the rounds on social media as more people download and share your photos. And what's really cool is that your own participants can also upload their own photos from the race and they will show up in a nice album that adds those nice personal moments they have shot from your event to your overall race photo album. Now, all of these photos, of course, are displayed on your amazing Run Sign Up custom website and linked to individual participant results. So each of your participants gets a nice personalized page with a race result, race certificate and race photos, something they can keep coming back to over and over again. So do check this out and see how awesome it all looks in one place, your photos, your race results, all your race info by going on runsignup.com. That's runsignup.com. And take some time to have a look at all the great free features you get by signing up your race on Run Sign Up, race director's favorite all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events. More than 26,000 events and growing are now using Run Sign Up, and that's for very good reason. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. How much of a difference does delivering photos that soon make? Does it have a significant impact on the uptake? How many people would want to see them and download them and stuff? Yeah, so there, Josh can probably talk on this a lot too, but there's a lot of factors that depend. Um, we have some events that are best candidates for getting photos up as quickly as possible. A lot of events that people are traveling to for destinations are really good examples where people want their photos before they hop on a plane and fly home. Um, but we do have some events like... Um, like mud runs where people usually don't mind waiting till Monday because we can get a little bit better quality images out there just because, you know, the shooting's a lot more difficult. Um, and, and we do see that um, we give them their promotional photo. To, we give the event the promotional photos right away. They'll get those a few hours after the event and they'll be able to do some social media posts and kind of tease photos and get participants interested in checking back. Um, and then Monday or so their, uh, their downloads are ready. And then they can go and get them and they look really nice. So there's there's different candidates for different things. While some events definitely are great candidates for getting them out as quickly as possible, 
Um, there's some that are better candidates for taking the time to get a little bit higher quality um, with the touch up and stuff like that. And that's going to be a case by case basis. Yeah, I would say we could talk for longer than we want to about this. I did get a good stat from uh, Runner Tag and Miro uh, yesterday saying 68% of participants are more likely to share photos when they are received on race day. And that just goes down to it's the excitement of it, right? It's I want I'm going to make this Instagram post no matter what. So if you give me these photos now, I'm going to make sure they're in there. Now, John and I had some debate on this. Does this mean you need all your photos right away as quickly as possible? I would have argued yes at one point. You know, I always tell the story of Hot Chocolate Chicago, tens of thousands of people. We were running a moped across Central Park to a fiber line to get the photos up as quickly as possible. And does that matter? I would say yes and no. Um, I think, uh, and John would probably agree, that there's some benefit to taking time and cultivating and, and obviously editing these photos or maybe teasing it out a little bit more, making social media posts. So I don't have all the analytics. I wouldn't break your back on uh, trying to get all the photos up right away, but I would advocate very strongly for communicating it to participants, figuring out a plan for it, and, and getting some of that stuff up fairly quickly for all the reasons John said. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that again, um, one thing that I've kind of noticed is if, if you and you have some photographers that are just producing spectacular shots, ultimately like a day wait isn't going to be a big deal. But just to be blunt, if you have some people that aren't great photographers covering an event, sometimes just getting them out quickly while people are still excited about it is going to make them just download it and share it before they even really weigh. This is that good of a photo. And um, there's just some things that you got to weigh there and consider. So if you are, you know, putting photos out quickly, um, you do kind of have the advantage that people are more receptive to them and they do have that. Uh, intrinsic excitement left over from just finishing the race that's going to make them share that but if you're producing a good quality image um, we're not seeing at least with my company we're not seeing a huge dip we're actually seeing a slightly higher download rate um, by getting photos out monday morning yeah i think as you as you guys say it's difficult i guess to find the perfect balance between those things but i see this in so many contexts um i did this um podcast a while ago on on race surveys and that same thing came up you want to make the most of that one day two days whatever window after the race where there's peak excitement peak engagement you don't want to lose someone's interest whether it's photos whether it's sending out your race survey results even after race publicity like those still have to be very busy day very busy days for the race director, for the photographers, for the timers, for everyone involved. So the, yeah, it's it's an interesting balance to keep there. And it sounds like the bottleneck is this touch-up process, right? It, it's actually taking the time to take a picture from being good to being great. Yeah, that's our biggest bottleneck. And I think that's just the difference is, is you could get, you know, like 95% accuracy and uh, quality by just going fast, but we're we're kind of striving for that last four to five percent. And whether it's worth it or not is kind of going to be up to the individual. We kind of strive for that quality over quantity and speed. But there's some people that just want that quick result, and that last four to five percent isn't as important to them. So it's going to be really a case by case. Now, since we're on that topic, and we've started touching on how important it might be to get your photos out and the effect that's going to have on uptake. Let's um, take a quick look at some numbers. And I want to focus first on what seems to be the predominant business model in the market and one that Josh was telling me the other day might be coming back for some of the larger races, which is 
people still paying for photos. I say it's the predominant and not the only one because there's also the other model some people may be familiar with, which is the event gives out the photos for free. And then, you know, there's many benefits to that, you know, because more photos of the race circulate and there's the marketing uptick from that and all that. But let's start by looking at the paid model. And John, you mentioned earlier the different ways you might work with a race director, whether it's on commission, whether they would just pay you out like a fixed fee. What is the most common way of working with an event? Would it be that you would get a cut of the revenue from the photos or would you just get paid for your service and then the race would get all the revenue from the photos? How does that work? Yeah, so my company only does the free photo model. So I have very limited ability to speak on the paid model. I've never integrated with an event that does the paid model. I only know about it from just talking with people that operate those companies. So I don't have the firsthand experience to really comment on the paid model. But in terms of the free model, um, my thought process is if if the event or the sponsor or the venue is paying a set cost up front, um, we're managing expectations. There's no there's no risk to the event. There's no risk to the photographer and there's no risk to the photography company if photos don't sell. So it's kind of um it's kind of a guarantee of okay, we everyone's been paid, the event's budgeted this, we can do the best we can um with the budget we have with the paid model. Um, again, I haven't done this, so this is just what we're trying to avoid is there's always the risk that if an event doesn't download very well, someone somewhere is going to take that hit. It could be the individual photographers, it could be the photo company, or it could be the event, or it could be all of them. My big thing is offering that consistency and safety that this is a marketing expense. This isn't like a commissionable sale for you. Um, you can use this to promote your event. And at the very least, you're going to get some material to do so. But hopefully the participants also take the photos and promote your event that way. Just to clarify on that, because I think I think we there might be like a slight misunderstanding in the way that, that I use the terms, at least, and maybe I'm using them the wrong way. So maybe it's better to break it down to three different models, right? One, let's call it like the fixed fee model, right? I come to you, the race photographer, I'm like, how much do I need to pay you to give me the, the the photos, right? Which is what you're saying that you do as a company. Then is the kind of like more hybrid type of commission model where I pay you, but then, you know, you also take photos and take a commission on the revenue from that event, which is what you were saying you wouldn't do because there's a lot of risk to you that if, you know, photos don't download well, then you're out of pocket. And then there's what I would call the free model, which is, Regardless of how you get paid as a photographer, I give the photos away for free. So there's almost like two layers, how you guys get paid on the race photography side. And then there's the other element to all this, which is, do I give, as a race director, do I give the pictures away for free or do I charge people to do that, right? Yeah. Let me, I, I talk about that a little bit in the, in the history, I guess, without going too deep into the history of races, I really got into uh, free photography as it was starting to become really popular. Um, and again, that was about six or seven years ago. What I found was that a lot of these, you know, what Panos, what you say is basically accurate. A lot of the largest races are actually receiving a check from photographers for the right to shoot the race, which of course the photographer makes his budget. And somewhere down there, uh, you know, lower races, those checks get smaller and smaller. And I think that the big conversation that was you know, being had over the last several years is that with cell phone cameras and such uh, make it becoming more popular, 
those numbers were going down to where you go from photographers paying for the right to photographers making the decision, uh, how much might I make on this? Do I need to be paid? You, know, you cross a line where it goes from being free to the photographer to the photographer getting paid or the photographer in some sort of revenue stream. You know, that revenue stream share could exist at anything. It could exist at, you know, photographers paying for the right to do it to photographers being paid. And I know. So it's a little more complicated than that. But, um, you know, I think and to, to kind of tie that up, what we saw before COVID was so races were starting to see those checks getting smaller. And that was a big part of the incentive to go to free photography. Whereas after COVID and, and not naming in any names, a lot of races that were on free photography have gone back to paid because of, again, that spectrum of how much money do they think they could get to zero cost to actually paying for it or needing a sponsor to pay for it. So what was it that led so many events to move to free photos in the first place? Well, I, I don't think any race director thinks that a runner wants to pay for a photo, of course. Uh, I think we all want everything for free. Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, John's kind of talked about how obstacle racing was sort of the forefront of capturing free photos because they all wanted to showcase their party, their different obstacles. They were really thinking ahead. And I think that got of a lot of attention and like working with Pick2Go USA, we were doing a lot of the obstacle races and trying to leverage that into saying, oh, hey, well, running you know, road events, different types of events have different things that we can showcase too. So I, I'm probably telling a small part of the story, but I think it was a combination of you know, the people saying, well, runners are going to take photos anyhow, so how are we going to get this, you know, this high quality product out there and compete with that? But yeah, also just you know, the creativeness fed itself of you know, uh, obstacle races are doing this and the costs are going down. So if we're not going to be making money off of it anyhow, or if we're going to pay money, we want to experiment with how we can, you know, just make it free to runners and make it more interesting. I ask that question because if race photo, if giving away race photos for free makes sense as a kind of marketing expense, as John was saying, right, uh, for the event and the return is there, then really going back to asking people to pay for photos during the pandemic, even if money was tight, ultimately doesn't make a lot of sense economically still, right? Because if it made sense for it to be a marketing expense before, it surely must still make sense to give away photos for free if you're going to get more participants in the future. Yeah, I think um, this is just a small piece of the puzzle, but I think one of the big factors is, is you have some events that do the paid model tends to be those events that require a great deal of training preparation, their destinations. Um, so there's a lot of expenses that already go into it. So someone traveling, you know, four hours by plane to go do a triathlon or six hours to fly to Hawaii to do a triathlon, they get a hotel and they have a nice bike. A $50 photo is almost negligible in the grand scheme of it. But someone spending, you know, $49 on a 5K signup isn't going to pay $49 for their photos. That just doubled the cost of their you know, morning outing. So I think a lot of it's going to be your target demographic is going to be kind of you know the big dividing line there. And then on top of that, when these bigger events have photos, whether they're free or they're sold to the participants, the smaller events need some way to compete with them. And so a smaller event might have difficulty getting a paid company to come in and do that because just the money is not there to be made. So they might have to default to the free photo model just out of necessity for um, being relevant in the um, industry. And from your point of view, 
Josh, when you speak to a new customer, someone, a new race director approaching you, and they ask you, what do we do about race photography? Do we go free or do we go paid? What's the discussion you're having with them? Well, I, I mean, you know, I think there's at least one race director here shaking their head listening, saying, I would love to do it, but it, it's not in the budget. So I think uh, obviously there's some, you know, again, not doing a lot of photography myself, but coming from that photography background, I do talk to my clients about, well, let's be smart about it. You know, what are the key priorities we want to hit and how can we do that by maximizing the budget or sorry, minimizing the cost to maximize the budget. And, you know, I, I don't have a clear answer. I mean, I don't, I think this would invite a great conversation in the comments section from other photo companies who I, I know follow the page, but I don't think there's any photography company out there that says, no, we want you to do paid. They want to shoot photos. You know, they want to work. They want to put out a great product. And so I think, you know, it should not be slave to a question or paid it for free. If you like your photographer, you should not even be slave to the photo platform that you're going to use. I mean, start with what you really want to achieve. And if you're trying to cut costs, don't see it as an argument of paid versus free. Think of it first as getting to the core of the product that you really want to get and going from there. Because, I mean, it, it, you know, say it doesn't matter what photo company you hire. A lot of the, you know, a little secret is a lot of the photographers work for a lot of different same companies. What really matters is that you're going to have an account manager in a company that's going to work with you on the right price and the right product. So I'm, I'm dodging the question a little bit because, again, I know budgets are post-COVID. We're all recovering from it in the same way. But I think it's first a question of being smart and figuring out what you want and communicating that with your photo company to find the best price. And again, to find the best option. I know that many photo companies will work with you on free versus paid. Uh, and, you know, and again, these the photographers and the photo platform, I'm sure they have ones they like more, but a good photographer who values the relationship should be open to either one of those models. And I know many are. Historically, for paid photos, that's probably something that John knows quite well. What has been the return on those in terms of how many participants actually continue to pay for paid photos? Is that is that rising? Is it on a decline? Is it sort of like holding steady? I actually have no statistics on the individual um, benefits of paid photos. I know some like larger events uh, or bigger names that have gone back and forth. So I'm kind of familiar with that. But in terms of the return they're getting, I actually don't know um, their downloads. I only know my company's download rates and stuff like that for free photos. So I wouldn't be able to give you any meaningful information on that. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's declining. Um, that's why these conversations with free photos were even happening. And yeah, it's tough because I've spoken privately with photographers over the year and I've heard numbers, you know, ranging by a multiple or two or three, uh, you know, and not, not anything statistically significant that I would go off of other than to say everyone agrees that they're generally in decline, you know, again, in favor of cell phone cameras, basically. Interesting. For the free photos, do we have a sense, because they're more like a, like a marketing instrument, do we have a sense of the return that someone might be getting on that, like like a, a, a marketing return on that budget that they spend hiring a photographer so that participants may have free photos? Do we know how many new participants may be signing up on the back of that? I don't, I don't have that last number that you said. I do have some inter interesting statistics that came. Uh, I mentioned one before from Runner Tag and Miro that uh, their CEO, Evan, shared with me yesterday. And that includes... Uh, we, like we said, 68% of participants more likely to share on race day, 
four and a half minutes when you have a good fleshed out gallery, 45 image views per participant, 115 people reached on average via social media, 200 plus impressions in the end per runner. And then you have your advertising value equivalency, which is a formula that every agent will, you know, agency will calculate differently. And they say that median value for each of those 200 impressions is between a dollar and a quarter, a dollar 25 US, of course, to as much as $5. So again, wide ranges we're working with here. But I thought those are some interesting statistics because especially if you're trying to, you know, you've got sponsors or you like large zeros at the end of your numbers, obviously a thousand participants adds up to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of impressions that you wouldn't otherwise get without a photo product. Yeah, I I have similar data. I don't have um, an exact number to what new people sign up for it. We do have some qualitative feedback that we get people that say, hey, we we saw the photos from this event last year and that's why we picked it, but don't have any hard quantitative data. But just touching on some of the numbers we talked about earlier, um, we do know that for events that go through the process we recommend to, to communicate the photos to the participants and how to get them and when to get them and where to get them, we're seeing 70 to 80% of participants actually finding their photos. And then 90% of that 70 to 80% are actually downloading the photos and doing something with them. And then just for Facebook alone, we're seeing about 180 to 230 uh, impressions per share. About the same of what I said. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, these are these are strong numbers. From discussions I've had previously with some of the services that focus on free photography, it seems that the sponsor is a very big part of sort of making that dynamic work, right? I guess getting a sponsor involved that may have their company somehow promoted through the race photos, through a watermark, through some kind of way, maybe shooting with the background of the sponsor. I, I don't know. I don't know many use cases of that seems to be key because when a, when a sponsor get involved, a lot of the costs associated with that go down and then it's like a no-brainer almost, you know, like offering free race photos when a sponsor's in board. I wonder on the ground how smooth those discussions with sponsors are and how successful race directors are in making the case to sponsors to get involved with photography at that kind of level. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. Um, and I can just comment on the clients I work with. I know that we have a lot of clients that we work with on a reoccurring yearly or twice a year basis, and they they do offer sponsor packages and photography, um, call to action on the image tagging site, watermarks and logo placement on the images is a huge component of what they sell in the sponsorship packages. Um, but for our smaller events, we're also just seeing smaller events um, like we're talking events under a thousand people just go without the sponsor and just pay for it themselves in order just to have that competition to say, Hey, we also offer photos. Um, so I think it kind of depends on the size of your event. It's a lot harder to get sponsors for those smaller events, but those big ones there, um, we're willing to work with the sponsors to create like custom call to actions and prompts so that when people go to find their photos, they can be, um, directed to a sponsor site also, or sign up for a future event or product. And we, for big events, that's like a huge, um, component of why a sponsor wants to actually give money to be part of this. That's generally like the biggest single, um, piece other than course branding that we see people advertising. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, obviously how to get sponsors and keep them is a big topic. Uh, the question that everybody's asking, especially right now. 
And you know, there's a lot of different answers. You know, to John's point, we're not really giving a cost per participant for photography because it's impossible. But it, you know, it's not ten cents a participant, and it's not ten dollars a participant. So we're usually talking in this few dollars range. And, and there are some race directors that are totally fine adding a few dollars to their registration fee if they're planning it that far out before registration is opening. And there's some who aren't. And again, let's just pretend that we're talking in the dollars range, not in the cents or many dollars. So you know, going with that, maybe that is palatable. Um, as far as sponsors, I've seen it done so many ways, uh, You know, kind of working with some of these big marathons uh, in the past few years or several years ago. Um, yes, of course, the photo overlays is the one everyone knows. Panos, you mentioned uh, having something in the background of the photo and arch and activation. I've seen those at many marathons or cheer, again, talking about cheer stations. You know, I would definitely go to your sponsors and in, 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 like in any case and say, what do you what would you want out of this? Whether you're selling a photo sponsorship or just a value add to a current sponsor, you know, think about what does the sponsor want? Is it branding? Do they just want to see their logo everywhere they look? If so, great. You know, that's great. Do they want to see a bunch of zeros after numbers saying millions of people saw their, their logo on something um, or their branding? Also great. You know, I think with each one of those, you know, John's kind of talked about it. And again, this is a much longer conversation. Think about what that sponsor wants and it, go in that direction. If they want more views, take more photos. If they want more branding, work together on an activation and put the photographer in that space. And I, I've seen many of them. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could be as simple as some banners and tell the photographer, you know, stand in front of these banners or this fence and make sure you get it in every shot. And then I think that it goes a long way, right? I, I have no secret formula. I, I don't know if anybody has a secret formula to sponsorship, but that's where I would start with it. If what you say is sort of like ballpark right, right? And and providing race photos for free is a matter of a few dollars per participant. I would definitely personally enter an event that's five dollars more expensive, all other things being equal, if I would be getting free photos at the end of it, rather than, you know, not be getting photos at all, or being faced with like the 30 40 whatever dollars that you see some some race photos sell for right i think i think it's to me at least as a participant the the answer is obvious i don't know how you would see that oh no that's 100% how i see it i mean yeah every photo company when they price their photo packages is doing a math and they're saying if i sell this for $50 i'm going to get x percent you know and i know you know plenty of economics and talking about elasticity of demand and such they're finding a place where they think X percent will get it. They're not expecting that every you know participant, or I'm sure even close to them, are going to download those photos. So yes, if you really value again, looping back to the beginning of this conversation, every participant marketing your event with your photos and with that experience, it's a no-brainer. It's better for the experience for participants. It's better for your overall marketing, um, definitely. So in a way, when you sell those thirty, forty dollar packs, essentially the, 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 the minority of people who go and purchase them pay for the service of having the photographer there. So, so they're paying way above what it would cost for the event to be giving that away for free, right? It's just that, as you say, you need to work backwards and say, what percentage of people is going to pay for this? Therefore, my price needs to be that to cover my cost, which is why all of those packs seem so ridiculously expensive to you know, to any of us going out to races, right? I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, I maybe when I was starting out, as I said, you know, I might be paying $30, $40. Now, 
call me a little bit spoiled, as I know many race participants are becoming on so many things. I actually expect like a, a race that I pay sort of like close to triple digits for to be offering these things for free, right? And charge me the $5. I don't care. Like, I, how would I know anyway, right? Between paying 95 or 100 or 105, just don't ask me. It's almost like, you know, you go to these, like, used to be the case a lot more in the old days. You go to these, like, four or five-star hotels, and then you have to pay, like, $15 for internet or something, for Wi-Fi. And you're like, why? I'm paying $500 per night. Like, wh- why Why are you asking me for $15? It just pisses you off, right? That's why I go to three-star hotels all the time. But, yes, I get, I get your point. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And if that, if that $15 was a $515 night hotel and you got the internet for free, you wouldn't think anything of it. But because you're making a separate transaction, you do you do think about it more. That's, that's a perfect point. Thank you for bringing it up. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just rubbing people the wrong way when you're asking them something so personal at the end of the day, which is a race photo, right? Which is you at that moment when you're asking them to pay something that seems extravagant at the end of the day, right? It's just, I don't know, like it just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Looking forward, we've had so many great new technologies hit the scene. Things seem to be changing all the time. Video is catching up with some really exciting stuff. What new should we expect in this field over the next few years? So I, I think the biggest um, technology changes will be in the distribution side. I don't think there's going to be significant advances in the next five, 10 years in actually how the photos are captured and taken. I'm sure there will be stuff, but I really think the the distribution is going to be more streamlined. Uh, it's be more integrated with the event itself. I think not just you know getting your timing results somewhere else and then your photo results somewhere else and then your, your uh, finisher packet somewhere else. I think it's going to all kind of start integrating together so you finish the race and you're going to start getting your timing your finisher packet and your photos all at the same time um it's just me a faster and more convenient model i think going forward oh absolutely and you know it's depend it's all about speed it's um i'm really excited to see starlink uh you know become more accessible mobily or at 5g or just more access to fiber because in the last 10 years i've had so many conversations with race directors who've said things like well, can we show their photos on the screen with custom data when they finish? Yes, if you can get those photos up fast enough. Can we have video walls, things in the banners? I've seen limited activations of things like this. I've uh, had people looking for lost children, asking my photos to say, were they with their parents? And can we see a picture of the parents? And because I've had photos up, you know, we could go down a rabbit hole of how if you're up to, uploading photos fast, you can use that for all kinds of live experiences for the participants and even more subtle things like participant tracking, additional timing points, if you really thought them reliable. Um, I, I'm again, I'm excited to see as you know the big companies start to really get photos up faster, and the technology allows that at a lower cost. How we can go and extend from a minute after the finish to a day after the finish with that custom data. And I think, like John says, the photos are going to be an integra- more integrated part of the experience whether it's showing the time on the photo or showing a custom man- message from your family or something more complicated. And there's been lots of development with video in particular, you know, as technology and bandwidth and everything expands, lots of new personalized video products hitting the market. I did this podcast last year with iRewind, a, a Swiss company that, that works in this field. The point of that podcast was that video will not replace photos, but it would sort of like live alongside photos. Is that is that how you guys see it going forward? 
I guess I'll start with that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I've worked with uh, Pick2Go on some of their video product. Uh, I know the U.S. rep Don Mulligan for iRewind is a good friend of mine, and we were talking quite a bit about this at Running USA last week. And, and of course, I worked with Inmotive as well. So I've, I've seen, kind of seen it from three different perspectives. And, and yeah, I don't think it'll ever replace it. I think that until you have your magical robot taking video of every participant and getting them perfectly, you know, the video is going to be kind of a, a different thing. It's going to capture the energy around the area. You'll get the person in the shot. I think that I, I don't want to see it replace photos. I, I do want to see, you've, you know, I rewind showed some excellent stitched together videos of points on course and stitches of video, and you can have photos. I think as part of a dynamic package, it's amazing. Um, and yes, and that's something that all three of these companies have touched on, you know, creating that custom two or three minute video, um, not to keep plugging iRewind, but I was really impressed with this is that that is something that sponsors love. And I, and they've said publicly sponsors are eating up shoe companies and such over in Europe it is not just a photo or video, but a whole product, you know, a brand experience of a few minutes. So both in the next few years and in the long term, that's where I would like to see video go. And I think it will. I think they're doing great work with it. Yeah, and I, I agree with a lot of that. I think in the current state of things, videos tend to benefit more the event and the participant, but we're moving towards the participants getting more and more out of videos. Um, and part of that also is just kind of how social media evolves. Things like um, TikTok, for example, are really heavy on sharing short clips so people can post stuff on that. You don't really see many you know, videos shared on things like Facebook. So it kind of, this kind of follows going to be whatever the social media trends are. But I, I do think as we go forward, it's going to be progressing more towards video also for the participant and not just the event and venue. Yeah, I was about to say social media is a big factor in all this, how the two sub have sort of like evolved side by side. And in many ways, I rewind, which I'm familiar with, been familiar with for a long time. And some of these video services that have been in the avant-garde for many years it seemed to me in the past that they were almost a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of what the market, where the market was to be able to absorb that product. But they're sort of like coming into their own now. And, you know, there's, there seems to be that moment where video is sort of, you know, finally arrived in a way. One other thing that used to be a thing, I don't know actually how much of a thing it is these days, was the whole idea of moving race photos to a crowdsourced model. And there were a couple of companies doing that in the US. Basically, the idea would be that you build a platform where spectators and amateur photographers or even professional photographers would all upload their photos for an event and participants would choose which ones to download and pay for from there. But you're sort of almost like democratizing, which is a very kind of like trendy buzzword. You know, you're sort of like opening up the race photography function to anyone who wants to upload photos. Is that is that still a thing? I don't know, you know, John, I don't know how much of a thing it is. So not, I mean, we won't name any names, of course, but there were some issues with various companies where photographers would come in uh, at the same time as the official photography company and either produce photos slow or late or due to SEO reasons would confuse people on how to find them. And I think they rubbed races a little the wrong way. Not, not to say, you know, again, I think it's an intriguing concept, but I think the biggest issues with it are, are truly just quality control and participant perception and maintaining that. I wouldn't argue against it, uh, you know, being more involved, but I think it needs to all be very clear 
so that participants aren't seeing something of a lower quality than that which you want to present. Yeah, a lot of that is exactly what I would say. And I would just add, you know, a couple of years ago, we kind of saw it popping up and experimenting, but I haven't seen it really anywhere in the last uh, year or two. And I think a lot of the issues people were having were what Josh said. The event doesn't have direct coordination with the photographer. In many cases, you'd have all the photographers crowding the same spot because they weren't working as a team. They were working as an individual. And you know, photography is really a big team effort. Yeah, most people want that finish line photo and they might be the coolest shots, but you still need someone, you know, taking those more difficult shots at the start of the race to give, you know, race diversity. And not everyone wants to do it because it's more work and the shots aren't as cool, but it's an integral part of the photography package. Um, so you get you get less of a cohesive team. You get less coordination with the event. And the event now has to coordinate it with like 20 random photographers instead of one point of contact coordinating all the photographers under them. And then after the event, um, f- participants don't really know what to expect. Whereas, you know, when they when there's a company, they go, okay, uh, this company usually puts up photos, you know, 24 hours after the event, they're going to have f- photos in this resolution for download. And you don't know when each photographer puts their photos up, if they're free or for sale, um, what the quality is going to be. And there's just a lot of unknowns. So you're really getting that determinism whether it's paid or free model, you're getting more deterministic results. Yeah, a great way to get photo- uh, participants upset is to make them think there was only one photo and then nine of them show up days later. Um, and again, having working with a team ensures all of these things, you know, the quality of it, the release timetable. Again, think it's intriguing, but yeah, it, it just uh, creates a little bit of an anarchy and we all know we don't need that stress uh, on race week as a race director. Just an example, back in, I think, 2019 or 2020, when those were kind of popping up, we, my photo company used to get a ton of emails being like, hey, I, we saw this photographer at this spot and we can't find our photos on our website. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, we didn't have a photographer there. I have no idea what this is about. Um, and, you know, sometimes the photographers are doing weird stuff. Sometimes they're interfering with the race because they're trying to get photos and they're just, it kind of can make the event look bad. It can make us look bad. So. Personally, my company, we don't let people bring in any third-party photographers or crowdsource, anything like that, just because it creates a lot of confusion with participants and it detracts from the experience. Is it better than nothing? I'd say, yeah, it's better than nothing, but um, I think there's a huge difference between it and an actual photography company. Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier around the touch-ups and stuff, which I, I, I wouldn't have thought would be necessary, basically. And And I think for people who may not have been race photographers themselves for a while and being more like technology people, I think there might be a tendency, as in so many other issues, to think that everything can be solved through technology and be like fully automated. But it sounds like, you know, you can't beat having like an actual professional photographer there picking the spot, taking the pictures, touching them up, all of that stuff, which is great for uh, race photography and for us racers, actually, for the future. How can people reach out to each of you if they want to maybe discuss some of these things, maybe for you, John, being a race photographer, you know, like maybe someone want to discuss some of their options around photography and the services, or just want to reach out with some advice on all of this stuff. You want to take turns and give sort of like a shout out to how you can be found and where? Yeah. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is just go to my website, johnkellyphotos.com. We have a contact form. You can email us uh, there. Usually I'm the one responding. If it's a busy weekend, I have someone else responding, but we'll get you estimates and breakdowns of our services pretty quickly. And uh, we try to be easy to get a hold of. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think I think all of our, our listeners or most of them are probably in the race directors hub face group where you'll find Josh Reed asking questions and trying to give good answers. Or otherwise, you can go to onpathevents.com, as in stay on the path, onpathevents.com, and uh, shoot me a note there. And you have you were working on a book, weren't you? There was a specific angle to it, wasn't it? Oh, it's getting on path. Well, I mean, that's a long conversation. But yeah, working on a little book right now, and it's just kind of along the lines of uh, what we're talking about, just going from what's inside your own head as a race director and figuring out uh, how to speak the language of your photographers, your vendors, how to organize yourself uh, a little better. Um, that's out in a basic form. There's still a little more work to do on it. Awesome. Is that available on the website? Uh, yes, I've, I've got the, the first, uh, let's call it slightly preliminary release of it out on my website as well, on pathevents.com. Cool. Well, guys, I want to thank you both very, very much. Uh, I think this might be the first, but not the last time we get together to um, talk about race photography, because I wanted to just as a first contact with this subject, just to give a bit of a bird's eye view for people who may not be super familiar with some basic things. That's why we touch on some really basic concepts, just to paint a picture for everyone. But maybe we can come back and sort of do a deeper dive on some things that are a little bit more advanced around the topic. Sure. I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you very much both for coming on. And thanks to everyone listening in. And we'll see you all on our next podcast. Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Panos. Good talking to you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on race photos with John Kelly and Josh Reed. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your thoughts about race photography or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. Many thanks again to our awesome podcast sponsor, Run Sign Up, for sponsoring today's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite player. And do check out our podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races. <laughs>